0: I think we're on here, and uh, if you if you didn't receive one of these as you came in, uh, there are a few more here um, that you might have snuck in without Chris or Sam seeing you. Um, if you'd like one, uh, help yourself uh, now, or Pat might give you one if you put your hand up. Um, and and of course you can then take uh, take that home and. You know, I imagine you'd frame it, put it on the lounge room wall. The <coughs> oh, the fridge! Oh, the fridge will do. Yeah. Just uh, something different, and uh, I don't have a PowerPoint as such, so sorry if you miss out at home. But um, if you want to come see me during the week in the office, I'm sure I'll have a couple to give you if you're uh, feeling that way inclined. Just uh, something to visual aid to help you as we talk through uh, talk through today. I'm not sure what you were doing 10 years ago. It was 2012. Uh, Sarah was giving her life to the Lord, I believe, 10 years ago. <laughs> hey, that's great. 2012, Julia Gillard was, uh, was our Prime Minister. One of the last years Labor were in power. Now they're back. Um, it was the the Wiggles. It was their last year together, the main Wiggles, My daughters were like one and three and went and saw them, I think, one of their last concerts, the old Wiggle. Now they're they're still going, but different. There were big floods in Gippsland, 133-year record broken. A lot's happened in 10 years. And I'm thinking about the next 10 years, in 2032, I will be 51. Wow, that's a long way away, I'm still quite young. <clears throat> but as I was considering this week, the, and you'll see that I've sort of stolen slash borrowed the order of the ordinary, the, the title that David Wilson, who was meant to be here for two weeks but couldn't be here this second week, um, the order of the ordinary really good message to listen to, and I thought, what about a challenge for myself and thought i 'd share it with you if I took the next ten years as a goal to not only share my faith with hopefully lots of people in the everyday ordinary life that I live, that David was talking about last week, but took the challenge to have a goal of winning one person, leading one person to Jesus in 10 years. 10 years is a long time. Think back to 2012, how many things you've done and what's happened. If I could lead one person just... Win one person for Jesus in 10 years. You know what this church would look like in 2032? We, we might probably have to spend more money on renovation. We, of course, welcome new Christians that come to the church. It's wonderful, isn't it, to have people move into the community and they find a home church and we openly welcome them and you know, we've got wonderful kids, we've got lots of young families and Evan and Steph are going to have another three or four and they're going to have about eight, nine kids, I think, you know, get one of those mini buses, uh, Dyson bus. <laughs> but what if we had a, could see in ten years time to look back and say, oh, I've led one person to the Lord. God is good, isn't he? evangelising can paint all types of pictures in our heads. When I think about evangelism, what does it mean? I'm not an evangelist. When I think about evangelism, that's not my gifting. Evangelism is those big events where they hundreds of people get up and go down the aisle. State youth games, uh, Youth Alive uh the christmas events at our local church the easter event oh that's evangelism i can't wait i'm going to i'm going to build myself up to evangelize once a year at christmas time well the story of last week was really broke that down didn't it the order of the ordinary mary smith's story that david shared with us Mary had that picture in her head, going overseas, being used by God in some amazing, powerful way and being an evangelist, a missionary in the field there somewhere. At some point in her life that would happen, when in fact Jesus was impacting others through her everyday life, the conversations in the park, at the workplace. I wonder if that resonates with you it certainly did with me what does it look like every day what what needs to change in my mind and in my life so that i am there is an impact in the everyday ordinariness of my life that jesus is seen not for the big events but the everyday the ordinary? What needs to change? Are there priorities that need to change? I bring our attention to this thing that you might have here, this little slip, and I want to share just something briefly about these priorities. We could probably spend six weeks in a series, and maybe we will down the track, but Just touch on these priorities. These are not the priorities that are true or true of me, and I'm not sharing them on the basis that I am the standard, because that's absolutely not true. We want to look at who is the perfect standard of evangelism. Who was the greatest disciple maker? And of course, that is Jesus his dependence on Holy Spirit power, his prayer life, obedience to a kingdom agenda, the word of God, exalting the Father, and intentional, intentional relationships. Firstly, the Holy Spirit power. You'll read in the Gospels, Continuously about Jesus' relationship with the Holy Spirit. That he was conceived by the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, sealed by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, rejoiced in the Spirit. He gave commands by the Spirit, performed miracles by the power of the Spirit, was raised to life by the Spirit. So what are we learning here? That Jesus, who is God, became flesh, became human, in human form. And, and God in flesh, Jesus needed, was in need of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was there at the baptism, as we are just saying, as the, like a dove. John said, coming down on Jesus. And for those three and a half so years of his ministry, Jesus was led and guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was dependent on the power of the Spirit to do what God had called him to do. And in the book of Acts, there are over 50 references to the Holy Spirit. It wasn't about how good Peter and Paul were. It was about the power of the Spirit. And when they were just starting out, it's constantly referred to the power of the Spirit was upon them. Um, I, I don't... And I say this respectfully, I haven't um, done a lot of study into the Holy Spirit. I feel like I haven't come under a lot of teaching around the Holy Spirit. And, and so I am very interested in looking deeper and deeper and learning more and more about the interaction in my life. What does that look like every day? Being empowered and filled with the Spirit, and what does that look like as a church? Uh, have we got a, a culture? Have we got a uh, we recognised for being a church who are empowered and driven by the Spirit? You know, prayer saturated every aspect of the life of Jesus. It it bookends his ministry. When when Jesus was baptized, it says as he was praying As he was praying, the dove came. Like a dove, the Spirit came and ascended on him. And if you go to the last sentences of Jesus on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. In prayer he's Father, forgive them. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus prayed publicly. He prayed before miracles. He prayed with his disciples. He prayed before meals. But what I recognise predominantly is that he prayed in private. He prayed by himself. Luke 5.16 says that Jesus often withdrew himself to lonely places to pray. How often do we withdraw ourselves from life to be with God? Isn't that a challenge? I'm blessed to have a a little office space here in the church um, that when you pull up the blind... Um, you know, I am blessed that there's, you know, I sort of get to be by myself. There's a lot of quiet time here and, uh, look out through the window. My sort of go-to spot is just at the top of the gum, big, big, big gum tree in the back of the house across the road. And just beyond that, when the sun comes up, that's sort of where it is, um, and for me, sometimes that time is just withdrawing from the computer or my phone or a phone call or an email, or, and just turning the phone off, just putting the computer down, and taking that look in of just God's creation. Now, I think I'm in a very privileged position to be able to do that. Um, I know working in 20 years in hospitality. Uh, it's crazy lifestyle, um, and we have to be very intentional about making the time, as Jesus was. I I love the contrast, and you can see how the disciples learnt from Jesus. Yeah, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said to his disciples, "Stay here and pray. You know, I'm going off by myself to." Talk to the Father. And we have those well-known passages of Jesus praying, and you know, the drops of blood. Your sweat. But when he comes back to the disciples, after we're drawing for prayer to be with God, he comes back to the disciples and they're falling asleep. In Acts 1, 12 to 14, we're in those few days between the ascension of Jesus and, and, and the coming down of the Holy Spirit. And it says the disciples were, were in the, this room with, with the women of the, and also Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. And here they are. This sort of weird period. Jesus is gone, but we're waiting. They're not sleeping. It says that they're praying constantly. And I sort of think, yeah, I think they've learnt. I think they've learnt something. And, and I, I can be so slow to learn things like this, but it seems like they learnt really quickly in just a matter of a few weeks. And, you know, later in Acts, the church was going, you know, it was building. And they were, the apostles, the leaders of the church were feeding the, the poor, looking after the widows, the, the people in society who were neglected and looked down on. And they got so busy, it says they forgot about, or they neglected the, the word and prayer. So they had to put other people in place. I know, I couldn't be so humble to say that when I get distracted in life, it's not so much about I'm feeding the poor too much. I'm forgetting about prayer. I know what it's like to turn around after a week and say, "Gee, gee, I've ignored God so much this week. Not because I was down with the salvos feeding the poor, I was very inward focused. I love the, I just love that contrast to how the lesson about prayer that the disciples have learned. Over a hundred times and I move on to obedience to a kingdom agenda if you're following along. Over a hundred times in the New Testament, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is mentioned. Jesus' own words at the very beginning of his ministry was about repenting. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Well, what is this kingdom? I'm not going to go into it all today. As I said, just touching briefly on these points, the priorities of Jesus. What does it look like? Matthew 5, 6 and 7. If you go home and read those three chapters, you'll, you'll, you'll see some really familiar verses. But Jesus' wonderful uh, explanation, description of kingdom life, what the kingdom of heaven is like. As he told his disciples when to pray, how to pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Acts 1, he spoke of the kingdom just before he left his disciples. And this kingdom that Jesus spoke about, it wasn't a, an upheaval of, of, of the political uh, sort of uh, environment of the time. It wasn't a warrior coming to rule and reign the people of Israel and take over with power and authority. That's what the Israelites were looking for. That's what the Jews were after. Someone who would take them out of this oppression of the physical pain of, of seeing the Romans rule so harshly. And they're waiting for their Messiah to come and take over the world. Jesus Jesus displayed that obedience to the kingdom agenda was a lifestyle of servanthood and suffering. That's the agenda. When Jesus first started his ministry, he went into the synagogue. Luke 4, Luke 4 says in 18, it says that he opened the scroll to Isaiah. Well, he was handed the scroll of Isaiah. He opened the scroll of Isaiah. And he said, this is what I'm about. This is the kingdom agenda. This is what I've come to do. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour we I've just finished Isaiah. When it got to Isaiah 61, we looked at those verses. You remember the next line is, and a day of vengeance of God. But Jesus left it there because that wasn't his mission. That's not the kingdom agenda right now. That day of vengeance is coming. But this was radically different. This, this lifestyle of servanthood and suffering of grace and mercy is radically different to what people wanted, what people were expecting. And even today, a lifestyle of suffering and humility and service and serving is radically different. Radically different to what the world is expecting. Obedience to the kingdom agenda, it will powerfully impact on the lives of those around us. Mary, who we heard about last week, was obedient to the kingdom agenda and Jesus was seen in her life and God was using her in the everyday ordinariness of life. Ministry of the Word. If living the in the order of the ordinary is going to be Seen is that, if that's where I belong and that's where God wants to use me, if there's going to be, if that's going to be successful, then the written word of God is crucial to that happening. You see, the written word of God was central and crucial to the life and ministry of Jesus. He refers back to the Old Testament over 80 times, to 70 different places. A lot of that is in Isaiah, as we spoke about throughout the series. Jesus used scripture to defeat temptation. He used it like we just looked at in Luke to show that he is fulfilling scripture. This is who I am. It's been told about in the Prophets. He used scripture to encourage his followers. And in Matthew 22, 29, Jesus says to the religious leaders, the ones who are seen in society as the elite, the Bible professors, I guess, of that time, you know where you're going wrong? You know why you're in error? Because you don't know the scripture. You're just lording it over people. Come and give you money. I'm so good. Look at me. Praying loudly in the streets. But you're in error, Jesus said. God in flesh. Telling the religious elite you're in error. You're wrong. Because you don't know the scripture. What what a challenge to not thinking about, what do I know of the scripture? What do I know of God's word? If someone came up to me today and came up to you without you even having much of a relationship with them, just said, Ken, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know who he is. I want to experience forgiveness of sin. Oh, um, uh, where will I start? Uh, John 3.16, perhaps. Great verse. But in all seriousness, I, I, and I'm not expecting answers or anything, but this is, what is just on my mind this week. What do I know of God's word? Just to, in this instance, just to be able to point someone to what salvation is about. let alone the other times when someone is experiencing difficulties in life. But you know, when we look at the perfect example of Jesus Christ, the word of God was on the tip of his tongue. The word of God was at the forefront of his mind. What a wonderful example of having a priority around the Word of God. I'll push through the, the last couple quickly. Exalting the Father. I see this as a, as, a, as a wonderful priority of Jesus. He who did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. To, to exalt God is, a, is a, an act of Of humility and it says that we acknowledge God as greater than I and we honor his name we recognize and acknowledge his goodness his love his power and Jesus never stopped exalting the father I tell you the truth the son can do nothing by himself He only will do what he sees his father doing. He can do nothing by, I can do nothing by myself, Jesus said. I seek not to please myself, but the one who sent me. I have shown many miracles from the father. My teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. If this is the attitude of Jesus, how much more should I humble myself before God and be in an attitude day by day of just saying, if there's anything good to come out of my life, if this flesh and bones is to produce anything positive towards God's kingdom, towards his agenda, towards his purposes, well then it's only because of his grace And his love and his mercy in my life and yours. Worship of God is about lifting his name up, making known what he has done for me. And I love it how John the Baptist, who the cousin of Jesus, who had his own disciples, when he recognised his cousin as the Messiah, he said, it has to be, I have to decrease. The Lamb of God must increase. That too is to be our attitude. So easy to be puffed up. Feel so good about yourself when something goes right, when you achieve something. It's, it's a step of humility to say, it's what God has done in me. The last one that I just touch on is relationships. And I've put in brackets intentional. Uh, you know, we can have all types of different relationships, especially if you're in a workplace. Uh, we, you know, I, I, worked in the, the Austin and the Alfred hospitals in those private cafes, uh, for quite a number of years. We had about 50, 60 staff in each one. Um, I, I knew them all by name, but I, I, would have a very, very bare sort of relationship, uh, very much a working relationship with 90% of them. There were a handful who I still keep in contact with now. Um, There are a handful who I would speak to outside of work, who I would have meaningful conversations, not just about how good Collingwood went on the weekend, but meaningful conversations about life, family, faith. And I think living in the order of the ordinary... will require us to prioritise relationships that we intentionally uh, intentionally get to have a relationship with someone with the intention of going deeper. And not just the hello, how are you relationship, but the relationship where you will go deeper, where you will share something personal where it will be meaningful. You know, Jesus modelled for us intentional relationships. Uh, the, it's underpinned and its foundation is in the fact that Jesus, God in flesh, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. But you know, when Jesus was baptised, and started that ministry, his ministry. Uh, he, he would have had friendships, relationships. He, he was working. He had been to the synagogue many times. He, he was about thirty years old, so of course he has had friendships. But when he turned around after being baptized, you know how many disciples he had following him. None. But he intentionally engaged with people, telling them who he is. And so started people following him. Come, come and see, he would say. Come and see. Sit down. Let's talk about it. Jesus was intentional with the lost. Not just hoping he would run across people. Oh, I might run into some lost people. If I do, I might say something about who God is. No, he was very intentional. Zacchaeus, the Samaritan woman at the well, Nicodemus. Prioritising loving relationships with people. You know, the young church in Acts experienced these loving relationships. The young church in Acts experienced the power of caring, loving relationships. And they made that priority, they made that a priority, That was a priority to Jesus, they made that a priority in their church. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They... I know, I don't want to say that Church has to look exactly like this. They weren't perfect people, but a priority of Jesus was intentional relationship, in making disciples in bringing people into the kingdom, to expose people to a kingdom lifestyle. And it was a priority for the early church. Um, And I hope that we have that in our hearts as a priority in this church. People would see us as a people who meet together regularly, who uh, are in a special relationship because of what we have in common. I love the phrase that David brought to us, the order of the ordinary. Because we're all in it. But what I sort of went away last week, as I thought about the ordinary sort of person I am, with the ordinary lifestyle, the places I go, the cricket club that I like to be involved in, the people I'll see during the week, the neighbours, the family, who don't know God, that every day is that opportunity to be Christ. And these priorities that I see in Jesus, well, I know that I haven't got those down pat. I know that a lot of that has to be a bigger priority in my life. And I think as that happens, that Jesus is known to every, na- made known to every nation in this order of the ordinary. And I'd like to think that if these priorities are made true in my life and yours, that one person in the next 10 years is achievable. That one person coming to faith in Jesus because of what he's doing in my life and your life, that in 2032, one person, one to the Lord, is possible. Father, we are so thankful that we are in a comfortable place. Sometimes it gets too comfortable and we just need to be challenged. Uh, Lord, I know that's happened for me this week. I pray for those that need that, that that will be real, that the Spirit of God will challenge us. We are mindful, Lord, of the Christians around the world who are suffering. People who have made it a priority in their life to be like Jesus, in prayer and in the word and and they're suffering for it. Lord God, I just ask that you would encourage them, that you would lift them up, strengthen and guide them. And Lord, as we go into this week, In our context, we might find it really difficult to make these things a priority in the workplace or in our neighbourhood, in our schools. Um, Father God, just I just pray that you would give us that power through your spirit to enable us um, and remind us throughout this week that we would make a priority the things that were... High priority for our Saviour who came and died for our sins. We ask in the name of Jesus these things. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Um, have a cup of tea and uh, don't lose your special priori- priorities.